Regardless of what we technically call it, I think most of us can agree that all signs are pointing to an economy that is getting tighter, which means your small business clients will need your assistance in evaluating the spending of every dollar. How would you like to be the hero to your clients by helping them to get free payroll until January 31st, 2023? I repeat, free payroll until January 31st, 2023. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, OnPay, later in the episode. I think that AI anomaly detection on bills is going to be really important for businesses to prevent fraud and prevent duplicates and mispayments. And Aaron Harris has been doubling down on this since he talked to us last year. Steve Hare, CEO of Sage, talked about this as well. They really want to be able to use the data from all Sage and TAC customers across all of their products in order to do fraud detection and prevention. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we are live on YouTube today. Dear listeners, we love to go live now. So if you want to join us on our live streams, as we record the episode, you can chat with us. Follow us on YouTube. Search for Cloud Accounting Podcast on YouTube, and we'll get that link there in the show notes. We had so much fun last week streaming with Hector Garcia on his channel. I want to make it a regular thing. We've done this on LinkedIn as well, so be sure to follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, But YouTube is where I think it it really just works the best. We have the best quality and uh, experience, so we're going to go all in on that. Now, in theory, Blake, in theory, we could possibly stream to YouTube, LinkedIn, we have the recording studio open and Facebook all at the same time. Is it or is this just like too crazy? Uh, yeah, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna stick with one. We're gonna try one. You know, this <laughs> is something that uh, that when I talk to practice owners, I'll advise them on. I'll say, don't try to boil the ocean. If you want to build a practice, focus on one type of client, one type of business, one service at a time. Really get good at that, and, uh, and then you'll be successful. So we're going to apply that same philosophy here on the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Oh, beautiful. And today, we actually have one really important thing to talk about. Again, last week it was Intuit and their Investor Day presentation. This week, it is Sage. Sage Intact, Sage Transform. That's the name of the conference that we were just at this past week. Thank you to Sage for bringing us out there and giving us executives, customers, partners to interview. We walked around the expo hall floor. We met with random people who amazingly, like most of them wanted to talk to us. These two guys with recording equipment and cloud accounting podcast shirts, just, you know, uh, accosting them and asking questions. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. So David, I am ready to talk to you about all the news from Sage. We can jump into the, we can definitely jump into the announcements and news, but I, I feel like now that we've, you know, two weeks ago, we were at, I mean, obviously we've done ZeroCon and uh, Cooper's Connect for years, but like you know, two weeks ago we were at uh, NetSuite, and now we're at Sage Transform, and uh, it's interesting to compare and contrast in the customers because we don't get to talk to customers as much at QuickBooks Connect or at ZeroCon, but Sage Transform in Suite World, right, Oracle Suite World, you get to actually talk to customers, and it's the they're different, right? Every community here is different, and my observation is I feel like a lot of the Sage Intact customers. 
they're growing, right? But it's a lot of like their nonprofits, their um, family businesses, or their own, their private businesses. And the NetSuite CFOs are like, we're gonna triple in size in the next 38 days, and we have to hire 200 people. And my even my own team's gonna have 10 new people on my control on uh, my con- internal controller team. And it's just it's a different. Uh, it's just a different personality type that's there, but it's really enjoyable yeah. overall, just in general, speaking to accounts and bookkeepers and CFOs that are actually running accounting software. I would agree with you there. The NetSuite companies tend to, obviously, there's companies of all different types and sizes and whatnot on both platforms, but NetSuite companies tend to be more growth-oriented, more startup-like, more international expansion-oriented. The intact customers tend to be more Main Street type of businesses. And a lot of accounting firms, because Sage Intact has had a deep partnership with the ASCPA for so long, a lot of accounting firms resell Intact and use Sage Intact in their practices to provide outsourced accounting services. So, And that was something, that was, too, that we didn't expect to, but like PwC was there, um, Baker Tilly, a lot of big firms are sending their implementation team and a lot of the times their cast team there. Mm-hmm. And they're there yeah. because to actually sit down with their customers. Their customers go to the event, and it's a place to finally meet face-to-face in many cases. And they're bringing all levels of their team. It's just not like their leaders. I think we spoke with somebody that she is kind of a uh, – tech support's not the right word, but she's she really provides the support at, like, the bank reconciliation and, you know, bank feeds-type level support for when they implement the service. So it's, it, yep. it's good to see big firms there with their cast guys talking to customers. So, shall we play the Let's app jump news in. music and jump app, in? Oh, All app, right, here we go. The app news now. <laughs> All right. So, there were quite a few announcements at Sage Transform. David, do you have one that really stuck out to you? Well, we could do the non-technical one. Sage is now in a deep partnership with Major League Baseball. Yes. That was, well, I'm not really a sports guy. But I guess if I had to choose a sport that I like to go to, uh, it's it's baseball. I Baseball's love, I love your, going to your baseball speed, games. Your slide. Yeah, I just like sitting there, relaxing. I think somebody even remarked on stage that if you're a CFO or an accountant, you really like going to baseball games because you just kind of sit there, you relax, uh, you watch the game. There's a lot of stats involved in baseball. Uh, baseball fans tend to be very oriented to that, which is a good tie-in to what Sage does with analytics and AI, and that's a big part of the partnership, right, David? Yeah, so they're they're really going to, every time there's crazy stats about pitch counts and all this other baseball, nerd baseball stuff, like, I okay, don't send me a letter because I said nerd baseball <laughs> stuff, but <laughs> they're tying it back to Sage. But in, what's interesting about this, at a higher level, the under, my understanding with this is they want to be able to have accounting firms, accountants, bookkeepers, when they tell a client, I'm going to put you on Sage Intact, they're like, what? They, know, they actually they know what heard is. the word Sage before. So they're yeah. really, and this is a, US, a way to build brand awareness in the US market, really. Yes, that's the goal. We saw a video of what that might look like on the screen. When you watch MLB games now, you're going to see Sage's logo prominently displayed on the pitching decisions analysis. On There were some other things I can't remember exactly, but the Sage logo was there. And that's going to be good for brand awareness. It's going to be good for the accounting partners who implement Sage Intact, now people are going to know what Sage is. It's sort of like uh, how Intuit has a huge advantage because everybody knows what QuickBooks is. Every small business owner knows QuickBooks. So if you say, I'm going to use QuickBooks, they say, oh, yeah, that's the that's the one. So good move. And we got to play in a VR hitting uh, simulator. That was fun. I got to do that. 
That, that's a separate video you release of you hitting home runs <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. VR simulator. Uh, so they're going to do like pitcher power rankings presented by Sage. They're going to do, they're also helping with MLB's diverse business partners program, helping to find opportunities and support business growth for minority owned businesses across America. Uh, let's see, I guess it's my turn for the next one. So let's see, I'll highlight, well, let's talk about this carbon emissions acquisition. Sage acquires a lot of companies. That's sort of been their, uh, their go-to-market strategy for many years has been let's acquire companies and bring them into the Sage family. And they did this now with a company called Spherix. Spherix is a UK company that plugs into your accounting system and then looks at the transactions and estimates your carbon footprint. Now, how they do that, I don't know. And I question how accurate that can possibly be using GL accounting data to figure out what a carbon footprint might be. I mean, you know, can you look at my flight ticket, the cost of it, and somehow know that I spent X dollars on this and that's my carbon footprint? So I'm a little skeptical. I feel like this is just jumping onto that ESG bandwagon. And I don't know if anything, it's going to actually help anyone in any way. But, you know, it, it's interesting what they could potentially do. Uh, and, and I think if they can tie this into what we're going to talk about in some of the other releases with invoice scanning and AI, then they could maybe do it. Because if you actually were scanning that ticket and you could see the destination from where you're going, starting where you're going, then you could estimate, you know, carbon footprint and whatnot like that. But I just, I, I just have, I'm very skeptical as to all of these tools that say, oh yeah, we're going to estimate your carbon footprint and help you become net zero and all that stuff. Yeah, and I, I, this is not directly Sage, but it's really tied to the ESG stuff. There's two other articles this week, right? There's a company called Climate, Climatic. Oh, maybe it's Climate IQ. Maybe that's how it is. Okay. So it's Climate with no E and then IQ. So that's got to be what it is, Climate IQ. And there okay. are another, they basically help companies automate their emissions calculations so that you can factor into business decisions and that. So they just raised about $5.8 in a seed round. But then another ESG tech app, they actually uh, are cutting back and cut wise or cut jobs. So there's a company called Emitwise, and they do carbon accounting, and they're out of mm-hmm. London, and they actually have cut jobs. And maybe this is a direct result, right? You have a big, huge person like Sage buying an ESG app that calculates emissions, and well, if you're in that startup, maybe it's not a good idea anymore, right? Because somebody won, yep. right? There's no exit. Yep. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Zoho. I'm sure you've heard of Zoho before. We've probably even mentioned Zoho CRM or Zoho Books on this podcast in the past. But do you really know about Zoho? Did you know that Zoho offers an entire suite of solutions to run your firm, including a CRM, expense tracking, bookkeeping, a full office suite, a support ticket system, and workflow automation? Did you know that Zoho offers a suite of solutions for your clients' bookkeeping, including bookkeeping, inventory, invoicing, subscription management, and a checkout app? Did you know that Zoho has an accountants program? Did you know that Zoho advisors get free access to eight Zoho applications and a dedicated account manager? If you want to learn more about becoming a Zoho advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Zoho. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash Z-O-H-O. So let's talk about the stuff that uh, is really going to have an immediate or more immediate impact on accountants and users of Intact. There was an announcement of a new partnership with Microsoft. And this one, we actually got to see what that looks like. Sage 
Intact has an integration with Microsoft Teams, and now you're going to be able to do a lot more inside of Microsoft Teams uh, when you are uh, working you know, internally with your, your team. So for example, expense reports are a classic one. And Intact isn't the first company to do this. There are other plugins for other expense management apps that allow you to approve expenses, submit expenses, work on expense reports inside of Slack or inside of Teams, but now it's coming to Intact as well. And so there were some uh, videos displayed that showed that you could just go chat with the Intact, the Sage Intact chatbot, and say, I want to submit an expense. And then it would say, okay, upload your expense. You upload it, and then it says, okay, what was this for? And it pulls all of the different expense categories that you're authorized to spend on. And it, it basically walks you through the entire process of submitting an expense without having to go into Intact itself. Yeah, basically, it's like a pop, and, and you're using Intact in a way, but you you never left Teams, which is really cool. And, yep. and it looks like it, it actually pops UI, because like, there's been things like this in Slack, but you have to know like all the little secret key codes to actually type the syntax perfectly to submit an expense report, and this is really just popping a very friendly UI, boom, 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 you submit your expense and move on. But the other part of this announcement is how they're going deeper in general with Microsoft. Like This is just the first step as far as lots of different things with Microsoft Office they might want to integrate with uh, Sage Intact. And then also, apparently, has to do with a lot of hosting, using uh, Microsoft Azure hosting platform. For those of you not haven't heard that word before, that is essentially like Amazon has AWS for hosting. Google has their Google hosting. I forget what that one's yeah, called so, these days. But so AWS, I didn't uh, really quite understand that. So is Intact now hosted on AWS and they're moving to Azure, or is Azure just going to become an option for Intact? I think the answer I got was it's regional sometimes and it's hosted on mm. a lot of different, <laughs> it's not very committal, but it sounds like Microsoft Azure is going to be their preferred place they're going to host their products on. That's the vibe mm. I got, yeah. which is probably, it makes sense, right? It's probably a scratch my back thing, right? You be a customer yep. of ours and we'll kind of be a customer of you. Get it? Uh, so more announcements, further, further internationalization of Sage Intact. So Sage Intact has been a, U.S. solution and Sage Global, after the acquisition, has been taking it global. And so they have already moved into the U.K. They're starting to get some traction there. Now they are going to be entering France by the end of the year, the first non-English speaking country for Sage Intact. And they plan to start in France and basically cover all of continental Europe in short order. That's their goal. So if you are a Sage customer, you can have your U.S. entity, you can have your European entities, you can really run a global business on Intact. And I think this is what's critical for Intact to compete with NetSuite. That's where NetSuite wins currently, is they can handle businesses almost everywhere in the world. And a lot of businesses now are international businesses, even mid-sized businesses. And so this is really important for them to compete there. They also announced Sage Intact Manufacturing for the U.S., this is actually coming to the U.S. after France and the U.K. It'll be available for customers in the U.S. from 2023. It's a cloud-native solution, and now you're going to be able to do manufacturing and distribution. This is something that has been weak on the Sage Intact platform. Inventory manufacturing was not something where they were particularly known uh, for. It wasn't something that they did very well, and so that's why Intact was sort of the choice for not-for-profits, for professional services, for any non-inventory manufacturing companies, and that was always a NetSuite thing. Now, again, this is Intact going after those NetSuite customers or customers who would be going from QuickBooks onto NetSuite instead. 
Sage Intact for construction and real estate. So Intact has had a, uh, a long history of targeting specific verticals, such as not-for-profits, and then delivering solutions that are tailored to them. They are continuing that with construction and real estate now. So they're going to provide uh, solutions for pre-construction modules for payroll, property management, field service operations, construction estimating. They're going to have uh, basically a whole end-to-end solution for that vertical. And they've always uh, been going, heavy. Like, just like they're heavy in nonprofit, they've always been heavy in construction as well because what they're good at is kind of that three- and fourth-dimensional reporting, right? Classes and projects and jobs, that, that depth. And it's easy to allocate things. And that's why they've always been good in those two things, even though they, you know, prior to that manufacturing wasn't the greatest. Continuing along with inventory, Intact customers can now automate inventory transactions with barcoding and mobile data capture for real-time company-wide visibility and control, improved accuracy and reduced data entry. Sage Intact lease accounting. They now have functionality inside of Intact to help businesses comply with ASC 842 lease accounting standards in the United States. That is available as an early adopter program, and they're going to have general availability in 2023. And here's the one that I think got the most applause. Maybe. Well, there were two. There were two well, that the got the thing they got the most applause. applause. They never even took the time to put in a press release. <laughs> what was that? That so so it's a uh, CSV importer tool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's basically. Historically, when you've worked with a CSV file, you try to import it. It gives you an error. You can't import it. You open it back up in Excel. You make sure all the fields are correct. You troubleshoot it. You clean up your data. Then you try to import it again. They built a tool now where you can fix and correct and streamline and uh, map your data all in a tool to get it into Intact easier. And it got the most applause. And yeah. I actually asked Aaron uh, Harris about this in one of our in- interviews. And Aaron Harris is the CTO now of all of Sage. He used to be one of the founders of Intact. And I was like, because me, when I see that, I'm like, oh, great. Here's another excuse for developers not to implement something through an API. And, you know, he went on to say, is like, eventually you just have to, if you can't get them to do it after 20 years of this, just give the customers what they're asking for. And I think we even, in one of our interviews, we talked to a customer where every customer seems to have some old proprietary thing that they can't get off of. And that company might not even be in business anymore that's pumping out a CSV file. And they got to get that data into Intact. And so, yeah, they had a standing ovation for basically solving a problem that's been around for 22 years, which makes sense why they get a standing ovation. And so to illustrate this for our listeners, uh, Imagine the existing process is something like you export your CSV file or your Excel file from the app that doesn't integrate with Intact. And now you have to get that data into Intact. Maybe it's invoices, maybe it's customers, whatever it is, all these different data types. Uh, Maybe you're doing a conversion. So normally you would prep that file, you'd upload it, and then inevitably you would have formatted the file somehow incorrectly and you would get errors. And then you would have to go back into your CSV file and find the errors and fix them before you can upload again. The new tool allows you to fix the problems with the data in Intact itself. So you don't have to go back to the file and re-upload. You can map columns. You can fix rows. You can do all of that inside of Intact, which I've done a lot of CSV imports in my career. And I can tell you that is something that I would have very much appreciated having in all of the apps that I use. So funny, right? They should have done a press release for that for the accountants. Well, I don't think they knew it was going to get the the applause that it got. <laughs> it did. It stopped them like in the middle. So the other thing that got a lot of applause, which is in the press releases, is Sage Intact Accounts Payable Automation. Accounts Payable Automation 
This is end-to-end workflow from bill receipt to payment, reconciliation, and reporting. David, like, can you describe it? I think a lot of this comes from the auto entry acquisition, the lockstep acquisition, and some of the features they were building last year around payments and whatnot. Like, what's the customer experience now? Yeah, I, for- I think it's at two levels, right? There's kind of what they're rolling out now, and then the promise of the future they kind of get into. Yes. And so what they're rolling out now is pretty straightforward stuff we've been doing in cloud accounting with an app stack, right? But you can now, you get your bills, you email them in, the bills get scanned. So there's going to be an email address for every entity. Yep. Every entity. And I, and I can just have my vendors and my employees send the bills to that email address. Correct. And then they, they get scanned and the scanning gets smarter over time because it's using AI. And then once it's scanned, you can populate the draft bills. It'll match it back to um, POs. Right, they're doing it's, automatic data entry with OCR. Yep, and then eventually gets out to their payments end of this this workflow. But they they're really this is stuff we've been building as stacks in our QuickBooks and Zero app stacks. But it's just all built in now, full end to end, which is interesting. The other thing is the coding, right? That coding in the, the accounts and the dimensions, it's able to do that, and then it's able to identify because it's using AI duplicates and exceptions, which I feel like. You kind of get with some of the third-party apps, you don't get very much because they don't have all access to all the data. They just know the other bills that they've scanned, possibly. And so yeah. that's, uh, that's efficient and, and helpful. And and that was one of those things that's not here now, but was hinted at coming. I think that AI anomaly detection on bills is going to be really important for businesses to prevent fraud and prevent duplicates and mispayments. And... Uh, Aaron Harris has been doubling down on this since he talked to us last year. Steve Hare, CEO of Sage, talked about this as well. They really want to be able to use the data from all Sage and TAC customers across all of their products in order to do fraud detection and prevention. And so that means, um, for instance, in the future, Sage will, uh, when somebody receives a bill from a vendor for the first time, they'll scan that bill and take what they call a digital fingerprint So the way that the invoice looks, the way the bill looks becomes like a fingerprint in Sage's AI model. And then if another bill comes in from a fraudster that they've mocked up to kind of look like it in Word, but it doesn't quite, Sage will eventually be able to detect that and flag it for you. So, you know, the way that we tend to do when we get a fraudulent email, we might look at the domain name and say, oh, it's not quite right. There's a letter wrong. The AI can do that very effectively. Yeah, because that's, that's something- hard to do. Like, like it's, it, and no matter how good you are and how detail-oriented you are, you can miss it. And the agent, it's going to assist you, right, having AI yeah. help you scan it and surface those problems. And especially in these mid-sized companies where you've got dedicated personnel who all they're doing all day long is handling accounts payable. And they may only have five minutes per bill to dedicate to detecting this. And if you do high volume, you're gonna miss stuff. So this is really important you know, for helping us speed up AP and detect fraud and not accidentally pay stuff. And we know that even when we have approval processes built in, which a lot of companies don't, but even when you do, a lot of times people just go and they click approve and they don't really look. And that's why we need the anomaly detection because you cannot rely on human beings to do this stuff. No, you can't. <laughs> so so the way they're doing this, so this ties back into their bigger Sage digital network, which some they, they've dropped, they dropped uh, that word around a lot, right? Sage digital network. And at a high level, what that is, right? It's right now, it's, it, they, and they have some stats they brought out. So right now, Sage has hired 60 AI or uh, machine learning, they say colleagues, engineers, right? Um, in six different countries, they now have 15 published inventions and five patents filed. 
And yes, at some level, these words stage digital network is like very pie in the sky, right? But mm -hmm. what they've done is, and this ties back to the AP, they started to have this view of the world and the lockstep.ai acquisition is kind of a first step in this where in theory, all your AR, all your AP gets out of your normal inbox and gets into the lockstep inbox, right? Or the yes. Sage digital network inbox. And, and think about the words connected accounting to where accounting systems are just sending data through lockstep or through the Sage digital network. And then the, so a bill for me, I send to you, Blake, and you, it just shows up in your accounting system as an invoice or vice yeah. versa. I say, I have an invoice in my system. I'm sending it to you. It shows up as a bill in your system. So I, I went off on a Twitter thread about this because. Oh, well, first, oh, before you do that, okay. let's talk about the lockstep acquisition and, and featuring okay, yeah. it, right? So, so lockstep is uh, the best I can describe it. It was a Sage partner, a Sage add-on. It still is. Uh, the, but they've acquired it and they're integrating it into the Sage Intact platform. And what Lockstep does is it creates a, a support ticketing inbox for accounts payable, accounts receivable, accounting teams. So you get all of those emails that used to go to individuals or maybe into a shared Outlook inbox. They Instead, they go into the Lockstep inbox. And then you can deal with those tickets. And Lockstep also plugs into your accounting system to pull in data and information, allow you to do things with those messages and send information back to your vendors and customers quickly. And I just thought when, when that product originally came out and I, I learned about it, I thought it was brilliant because this is one of the biggest time sucks for accounting teams is just emailing back and forth with suppliers and customers and internal people. Like you need information from people every month on your, um, to, to close the books, right? Now you can do that with like a lockstep kind of product. So they've bought it, they're integrating it into Sage products and that's part of this Sage digital network. So David, please uh, continue. Yeah, and so they're talking about how they wanna open this up. And in, in, in a way, I think you mentioned to me, Zero has this back and forth between Zero customers and QuickBooks is currently rolling out their version of this, right? Yeah. If we're both on QuickBooks, I can kinda send an invoice to you, it turns into a bill in your QuickBooks. Even Melio has this built in at a level Right, even and I think Bill.com has it built in at a level, and NetSuite has it built in, and Sage has it built in. Like it's fine for everybody's customers of that one product, but the bigger issue with this now, Sage wants to open this up to everybody, and but mm -hmm. I don't until all the GLs work together, none of us actually are going to benefit from this. And and I I kind of went on well, a Twitter. That's, that's why, this. like, so Zero has this right, but nobody uses it. I mean, maybe some people use it, but like, it's not. I have to go give a key, like an API key, to the other zero org, and then they have to put it into my customer record to link it up. And, yeah. and that, yeah. but it's only for people that are on zero as well. And the world doesn't work that way. People are on different right. accounting systems. <laughs> and I don't want to have two different workflows for receiving bills. Like I don't want to receive bills in zero and then also receive them in my separate shared inbox. I need them all in one place. Yeah. So so that's where I think like. The Sage digital, digital Network, if they do it right with the lockstep acquisition, could actually work. Because if I'm getting the bills from other Sage customers in my inbox, and I'm getting emails in my inbox, there's one place I can process them, then it might actually work. But I agree with you, David. Unless the network is open and accepts users that have other GL systems and AP systems, then it's going to be limited. And, and so this is the promise, and, and we, we did quickly meet the Lockstep founder. And so I'll talk about, like, let me just give you a simple use case here that's happening for me. Okay. Right? Yeah, your, your personal experience. Personal experience. So I use Dext 
the former receipt bank Dex to scan my bills. Dex actually runs on NetSuite, Oracle NetSuite. So they send me a, a, an invoice, it comes from Oracle NetSuite, and I tweeted all the screenshots of this out if you get, it'll be in the show notes, but I get an invoice that was created in NetSuite. They email me that invoice. Well, I don't want to type that as a bill into my QuickBooks, so I forward it to Dex who scans it. <laughs> And then shoves it into my QuickBooks because Dex is an add-on app to my QuickBooks Online to put it into my QuickBooks Online. And that's insane. Like, why can't through Dex why, just send if, it. if NetSuite would just work with QuickBooks, we'd all yeah. win from this, right? If all the, the, the GLs work together, we'd all win. And really, the Lockstep founder is like, this is his vision. Now, how do you see QuickBooks but he also agreeing? Said, he also said that he thought it would be never happen, impossible that yes, all it might of be impossible these companies that would get together. Work together. So what do we do? Well, so to me, that is where the accounting associations could come together and define a standard with these software companies, act as a you know independent arbiter, and, and we come up with some sort of universal standard. And it's not like this is impossible. Hardware companies figured out how to create USB, and everybody makes USB products that work together. Now, it took a while, but we did it. Yeah. And it's been very successful. Like USB is one of the most uh, uh, fantastic universal standards that's ever been created. Well, I mean, and they we have, did it with OFX. I mean, Quicken has yeah. done this journey with bank feeds and OFX and ways yeah. to move money around. So this is totally possible. It's just they need to agree to do it. And in, as I said, like, can the army of cloud accounting podcast listeners, you know, can, can, can you start turning the ratchets up on these apps? There's no excuse that they don't do it. Uh, yeah. Now the funny thing is, I tagged all these accounting jails. Nobody responded. Like no, nobody said good idea. We'd love to try that. It, it, nobody's even opened the idea. It looks like so. But we'll just keep yeah. hammering them on this. But if you, that's the only way this works because everybody is going to have different accounting systems because they're different sized businesses, and it, this shouldn't be that's difficult to solve. But why we're not again? Is this a problem from twenty years ago? We're still not solving. But uh, there is hope, and like you said, you can look at the computer industry, they've done it. I could even look at, you know, QuickBooks. There was a time if you had QuickBooks desktop and you had ADP, you had to manually enter the data or, or do an, a CSV export or an IF export at the time. Now, ADP syncs to QuickBooks, right? So this is possible, people. It's Just, doable. It's doable, yeah. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. OnPay is built for accountants, and with 30-plus years of payroll experience, they can be the payroll partner you can always rely on to get payroll and tax filings right for any client, even those with distinct needs like restaurants, farms, and churches. When you use OnPay to manage your client's payroll, you can balance that fine line between control and delegation for each client. Regardless, if you keep 100% control, delegate payroll to somebody at your firm, or hand off payroll duties to your client, OnPay always takes care of all tax payments and filings, even the local filings. And with integrations with QuickBooks Online, Zero, and QuickBooks Desktop, you can use OnPay across your entire client base regardless of the accounting GL they are using. OnPay's partner program offers free payroll for your firm, discounts for our rev share, and a dedicated support team of in-house payroll experts who will do all the heavy lifting, from setting up your dashboard to adding your clients and their employees. They'll even enter any prior wages to make it easy to switch. To learn more about switching your clients to the award-winning OnPay Payroll and HR, and to get free payroll through January 31st of 2023 for every client you switch to OnPay, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash OnPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. Be more confident about payroll with OnPay. 
Uh, final update from Intact. They had a lot. Now you can do 1099 e-filing powered by tax bandits directly from inside of Sage Intact with the press of a button. And so for QuickBooks customers, zero customers, um, we haven't really had it inside of the software, but you've been always able to use tax 1099, track 1099 to then you know pull the data, send it into uh, you know the IRS and whatnot. But now you can do it inside of Intact due to this partnership. But and yeah, that there's got- basically a button that sends it. So instead of leaving yeah. to go get your app and then connecting your app and then pulling the data, yeah. It's just going to send yep. the data straight over to tax bandits. And one of our live stream viewers, D. Hall, said, Sage Intact cannot integrate the different modules of data within the software, such as credit card module and AP modules, so little hope for outside GLs. <laughs> you know, I agree with you. Um, a lot of There's a lot of work that needs to happen inside of these platforms for data exchange first. And it, it, they, the, uh, they just don't have the resources to dedicate to this sort of massive project. Maybe someday. David, I want to make that like my my objective of my entire career in accounting tech is is figure out to create a universal data exchange format for all of these different accounting systems. We'll do it someday. People when talk they about this for a long time. The, the yeah. one thing they give Sage a little bit of advantage is when they, they're rolling out these things like the Sage Digital Network, right? Because they have all these other Sage products that I don't know the names of. <laughs> Sage 100, Sage Cloud, Sage 300, Sage 500. They have all these, you know, old Peachtree, whatever, all these names that are out there. They're trying to roll when as they build and they work on this digital network, making it so it is somewhat open because they already it's in their vested interest for it to be somewhat open because they got to connect eight different products that they own under the Sage family. Right. And so, so if anybody's going to create the standard, I think Sage has a, a chance to do it. That's good. Uh, there's one announcement. Any more on your end, by the way, David? Uh, for Sage Transform News, let me just uh, yeah. scan it, my little notes, my notepad here. Continue on while I scan my notepad. Well, uh, so there was one announcement that they didn't make at Transform that I would have liked for them to make, and I'm going to keep asking for it every single year. I think I mentioned it last year, and I really believe in this. So let me preface this by saying that at both Sweet World and Transform, both Oracle and Sage, made announcements about diversity and inclusion and supporting minority-owned businesses and that sort of thing. And they featured people of color on stage. And I really appreciate that they're doing this, but there's a part of me that every time they do something like this, maybe it's just because I come from the accounting world where we've paid a lot of lip service to DNI, but we haven't really done anything about it. Like there's a part of me that's just very cynical about it because they make these announcements, they donate some money, they do something, and then like nothing really changes in accounting. You know, we still have low uh, percentage of ownership of accounting firms by women, you know, 20, 30% of accounting firm partners are women. It's worse the bigger the firm is. Uh, We have, you know, less than 1% of CPAs are black. Uh, There's all sorts of metrics around diversity in accounting, and it's generally pretty terrible compared to everywhere else. It's it's improving slowly, but, you know, it's so slow that it's going to, you know, it's like, are we ever going to get there? And then you have these software companies that come out, right? And they make these statements about diversity and improving access to resources. And there's one thing that they could do right now that would actually make a big impact on accounting, but they haven't done it. What's this, Blake? I actually don't know where you're going. <laughs> you're going to surprise so, me now on this. I'm not... Stop putting up barriers to your accounting partner program. So both NetSuite and Intact make you apply to be a member of their accountant program in order to resell their software, to use their software, to even 
touch it. You have to apply. And then you have to make a big commitment financially. You, as a firm, I have to pay them for the privilege of access to a partner portal to add my clients to get these discounts. I have to Which pay right thousands. Right there just slaps the doors on diversity and equity because right. you might be a minority. You're just starting your firm. You're really smart. You know everything about intact, but you can't cross that line to be an intact implementer right. or accountant or whatever they call their program. Yeah. It's a structural. It's a structural barrier that is designed to exclude smaller firms. And I know why they do it. They do it because, you know, they don't want to dedicate the resources to training people to to providing these resources to small firms when they don't think that those firms are going to bring on a lot of clients. But there's a consequence to that, which is you make it really possible for only the the most well-financed firms or uh, the bigger firms to be your partners. And we actually saw that. Like when you and I were at Sweet World and at Intact, compare the just looking around the room to ZeroCon or QuickBooks Connect. I saw a visible difference in the level of diversity in the audience. And I think that a lot of the reason is because Zero and, and QuickBooks, they've they've made their programs free. You know, Intuit made a big positive change years ago when they dropped the charging accountants to have a, a access to the accountants edition. Now you can go sign up, you can become an accountant, you can start adding clients. They don't charge you anything. Or QuickBooks even has their certification in Spanish now, right? Like they, they, they're making it accessible. You're right. That's a good yeah. point. And so I don't think it's intentional at all. I, I really don't. But I think we need to acknowledge that when you when you make your partner program exclusive, you are excluding the small firm owners and the small firm owners tend to be more women and more people of color. Because when you hit that glass ceiling at a big firm, where do you go? You go start your own, right? Or you just leave accounting entirely. So if Sage and Oracle really want to make a difference in the accounting profession, they will remove the structural barriers that prevent diversity in their partner program. And I'll stick by that. Like, if you, if you want to, like, promote diversity, don't just put people of color up on stage. Do something that's really going to make a difference for accountants in that regard. Uh, and, you know, go even farther, right? You could, if you want, you know, like, like give them uh, the training, give them, you know, advanced training, access to resources uh, for free, right? If you really want to go further. Now, I know that we have listeners, like, we have a very diverse political audience on this show. Accountants tend to be more conservative, you know, I, I, like... If you don't buy into any of this stuff, like I'm just going to talk to you, like if you're, if you're like, oh, this is woke capitalism, uh, right? <laughs> Even if you don't like all that stuff, you should still be on board with this because it's good for everybody. Accounts shouldn't have to pay for the privilege of reselling software. They should be paying us. And that's what yeah. Intuit and Zero do is they give us a cut of the software. So I think, I think this is just like old school. You know, I shouldn't have to go th like to get to get on the sage intact partner program you know if you do you have to apply through the aicpa cpa.com subsidiary who vets you out yes which which yeah. you know a lot of good diversity records there <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah they basically are sending you the place that yeah has struggled with this issue for a hundred years <laughs> yeah so sage intact folks if you're listening make your partner program free and i you know i want to like sign up for it i want to try it i want to use it and see how it works for my small business. And you know, if the reason you can't do that is because your software like is too difficult to implement, uh, then maybe like that's a, something you should work on, right? Like, 
if, if I can sign up for QuickBooks on my own, like I should be able to sign up for like the Intech Core GL on my own. Yeah. You know? so, and you're anyway. correct. Like, like somebody can Google how do I become a QuickBooks advisor, how to become a Zero advisor, and everything's listed laid out there. But you're right. Yeah. When it comes to Intact and NetSuite, it's very secretive. And it's very hard to get answers about it. it it's, oh, yeah. I, I, I can't even get people to tell me what it costs. And, and so if that intimidates me, it's going to intimidate somebody who is from a more disadvantaged community for sure. I mean, I, I feel like that's going to happen. So, yeah, open up your program, make it more accessible, reduce the barriers for all, and you'll see more diversity. And then you'll see your audience change, too. Well, you see more people pushing your product. I mean, that's and it's, ultimate, and if you it's not the just, barriers. More people are going to push your product. Yeah, and so it's better for you business wise. It's better for uh, for everybody, and it's diversity of thought and diversity of color, and and it's all of the the good things. So that is it for me for Sage Transform. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks. I was on the FreshBooks website this week and saw this blog post. Five FreshBooks features accountants love. So I figured let's share it with the Cloud Accounting Podcast audience. So without further ado, number one, in-app estimates and proposals. With deep customization, you can create bespoke proposals for clients and even capture their e-signatures. Number two, pre-populated chart of accounts. Help you cut down on your setup times and it helps clients feel confident when classifying their expenses. Three, app integrations. Square, Dropbox, HubSpot, G Suite, Gusto, and Zoom. Time tracking allows your clients to take charge of their own time tracking and payroll and make invoicing a breeze. Checkout links. You can require and collect payments up front to eliminate the need to chase clients that owe you money. If you want to learn about the benefits of working better together with FreshBooks, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash FreshBooks. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash F-R-E-S-H-B-O-O-K-S. Shall we, shall we move on to listener mail and then get to all the other news this week? Yeah, why not? You've got mail. All right, so I have not even listened to this voicemail. This came in while we were at the conference. So uh, this could be a surprise. Let's see what happens. Hey, guys. My name is Michael Alleman. I own a bookkeeping company called Alleman Business Group. In fact, I've even heard my name mentioned on your podcast as I am a super user of LiveFlow, which, by the way, I discovered because of your podcast. So thank you for that. I was listening to the podcast this morning, the one entitled DIY Your S-Corp Return with TurboTax, where you had Hector Garcia on, which, by the way, love him and subscribed to him and got the right tool and am starting to use it. So thank you again for that. But I wanted to take a moment just to complain and not complain really, just to make a statement based on the statement that David made. I actually went back and pulled up the YouTube video so that I could find the exact spot. And at 36 minutes and three seconds, evidently, David made the comment, and I quote, you cannot do your own bookkeeping business for $200 a month. You just can't, end quote. I'd like to tell you that I built my business on bookkeeping for clients at about $200 a month, period. 
our average billing is a little higher than that and it is going up. However, we built this very successful business charging uh, $200 a month or $199 basically. So I love you guys. I love everything you say. And I'm assured that you're probably referring to a full charge type of bookkeeper, which we are not. We don't do APAR generally. But in fact, if you are efficient enough, you can, and in fact, make a living doing bookkeeping for $200 a month if you have the right niche, which I do, and you have the uh, volume of clients that you need, which we do, and just wanted to throw that in there. Sorry, I know I'm kind of rambling now, but this is what I do. So edit away if you want to or ignore this completely if you want to. I absolutely love it. I love the podcast. I listen to it every time it comes out. I usually listen when I'm going on a long walk in the morning. Hope to see you guys at QuickBooks Connect in Vegas and pick up some swag. Anyway, love it. Thanks. I keep doing it. I'll keep listening. I love that. Michael, thank you Good so call. much for for calling in for your message. Uh, it was great. And yeah, David, you know, you're the one, I think you're the the one called out. He, I think the magic word Michael said, and, and I've said this, and I might have even said it last week, like if you're in a niche, you can scale cheap bookkeeping, right? You can do it at, at a lower price. Like if I'm only right. going to do Orange Theory Fitness Studios, I can really narrow down a tight system to where I can be very efficient and offer it cheaper. But if you're taking, if you're taking every type of business, you just can't do this. Like I have a bike yeah. shop and I have a, a gym and I have a dentist and I have a construction company. I have this. It's very, very hard. You can't build it's you can't build processes and and have known expectations of, of that next business. And that's the difficulty. And 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 people really were the context of that conversation last week was QuickBooks is trying to do it with QuickBooks Live, right? We we saw that uh Glass door review of the person, the engineer from Pilot. Like they're discovering this is a lot harder than everybody thinks it is. So the fact that Michael figured it out is great, but I also think Michael's keyword there was niche. Once you, yeah. when you find your niche, you can kind of really start to scale better. And when we talk about fees, we really have to be cognizant of the fact that people are doing different services. And so if I just say something like, oh, you can't do bookkeeping for less than $500 a month. It really depends on what you're doing for them. If you're doing bill pay, payroll, and bookkeeping, it could be a challenge. But if all you're doing is reconciling bank accounts, and like you said, David, you've got a niche where you've got certain kind of customers and you can really manage your cost of labor and all that stuff, yeah, it can be profitable. And that was actually my point when we were talking with Hector about QuickBooks Live, is that if anyone can make $200 a month bookkeeping profitable and very profitable, I think Intuit can. And if Michael can do it himself... We know that a big company like Intuit with all the tools and the tech can do it and make a lot of money, and, a and, lot. And Michael, like just is obviously forward-thinking cloud accountant, one of our listeners, right? He yeah. used LiveFlow and he basically has saved two or three weeks of time a year because what he did is he created for every client, so 40 clients or 60 clients, whatever it is, all have these reports and he instantly, they're all syncing to QuickBooks and he basically... He's just doing things very efficiently, right? And so if he's doing that on the reporting end, the output he's given to the clients, I'm imagining Michael's doing a lot of smart stuff on the rest of this firm, right? And, and so, yes, you can do that if you do smart things and you scale, right? And he's figuring it out. Michael should get a talk at QuickBooks Connect as we should get, <laughs> telling other firms how to do this. Yeah, actually, I really want to- <laughs> The title of this wanna... talk could be How to Beat QuickBooks Live. <laughs> this yeah. could be the title My... of this talk. 
Michael, actually, if you're listening right now, um, I would love to know from you more specifics about what you did for bookkeeping for that $200 mark and what your margins were and how you managed that, because I think a lot of people could learn from that. So, you know, if you're interested in talking to us on the show, I'd, I'd love to interview you. We can make it a be segment. A good earmark interview. Yeah, yeah. Earmark so, Accounting Podcast. Uh, shoot, me an e- shoot me an email uh, and, we'll, and uh, shoot me a message and we'll talk. So following up on QuickBooks, since we're talking about QuickBooks, I have to share this survey I saw uh, the headline in accounting today is QuickBooks named most puzzling app. So this might be part of why we need a QuickBooks Live or why Intuit needs a QuickBooks Live. These were researchers from digitaladoption.com. They paired apps with 35 support-related search terms, such as Salesforce help, to find the global search volume for each app on average. Using this method, they found that QuickBooks averaged 68,320 support searches per month. The most commonly searched term is QuickBooks customer service, making up about 19,000 searches per month. This was followed by Microsoft Excel at 49,000 something, with a majority of users wanting to know how to use Excel or just where to find Excel help. So basically, what they're finding is that uh, QuickBooks is the most searched for app on Google. I guess my question is now reacting to this news, does that really mean that it's the most puzzling app or does that just mean it's like very popular? Because if an app is very popular, wouldn't it, you know, like, is this adjusted for their market share and all that? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, they're just rolling up the numbers and they have questions. Some of the other ones are like uh, 44,000 people searched for what is Spotify and 34,000 searched for, uh, oh, did I say Spotify? Sorry, Shopify. And then 34,000 people searched for Square customer service. Right. Yeah. Um, it this reminds me of like some old data. And this I'm going back in the olden days, but you have Microsoft and the Microsoft products on Windows, and they get probably the most minutes viewed on a computer. And I think the next two stats behind this was AOL and then QuickBooks. Wow. And, and this is like sometime in the, the the 90s there, but it just shows like the amount of people using QuickBooks and how many hours a day they're in QuickBooks. Like behind Windows itself, QuickBooks is right there as one of the most used pieces of software out there. I have another survey that uh, I found kind of amusing. CPA Trendlines, they do an annual survey, a technology survey, and then they publish the results in a variety of blog posts. And one of the questions on the survey is how many monitors do you have on your desk? And the results are a bit shocking. How many many do you have, Blake? Well, so I have two monitors, and most of the survey respondents, just over 50% of uh, the total, have two monitors on their desks. So do you count your laptop screen as a monitor? I do. So, so I have so my laptop, and I have a widescreen display on my desk. Right. And, and that's what I have. I have my laptop, and I have another display. Occasionally, I'll plug my tablet in through a little app, and I can use that as a third screen, but very like so, for two hours a month, maybe. Barely ever do that. So let me give you the high-level numbers. So 50% have two monitors. This is uh, of accounting firms, at accounting firms. 25%, so about a quarter, have three monitors. Only 5% have four or more monitors, which, like, I'd find it hard to fit four monitors on my desk. Like, it would have to be, I'd have to have this huge workstation. And I don't, I don't even know if I would, like, find that useful. I would just get distracted because I'd, I'd realize, oh, here, here's all these screens that I had open over here and... I don't know. It would be nice. It would be nice. I just don't have room in my office. The thing that's kind of shocking about this is the number of firms that have one monitor. 17% said one monitor. But I don't... So this 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 is another broken survey. 
Because they need to be asking people the resolution. How much? Yes. How, mu- how many pixels do you have on your desktop? Because right. now I can go to Costco and I can get a monitor that is basically the size of four monitors th- two years ago. Right. right. And from a yeah. cost perspective, it's pretty much cheaper. So this is kind of deceiving because a lot of people can get one. Now I think LG has almost like it's a it's a huge square monitor. It's like two monitors stacked, but it's one f- solid solid panel. That's just yeah. one monitor. So, so for like, instance, like my secondary monitor, right? I have my laptop monitor, which is kind of squarish. And then I have a big widescreen display, which is really two monitors. I It has the resolution of two older square mon- monitors. Yeah. So really, my answer should probably be three. And they should change the survey, like you said, to talk about total resolution. Well, I, but would, I, think, I, would, do the, I would put the survey into accountant speak. When you open Excel and maximize it, how many rows and columns can you see? <laughs> that well, would, that would, that's a count speak, right? That's I guess I if you it. had it on 100% zoom, that would be that would be good. I like that. So, but but even if the survey's distorted because they're not taking into account resolution, you can see a difference between the the sole uh, practitioners and the small firms, medium firms, and large firms. So, sole practitioners, 33.3% of them, a third of sole practitioners have one monitor on the survey, and that goes down to 17% of small firms and then 15% at extra large firms. So even if the survey data is distorted, it's almost it's twice as many single monitor situations for solo practitioners, which to me indicates they're not investing in their tech or maybe they, you know, they've always had one monitor and I don't know. Or maybe, or maybe they, they just run. They roll on their laptops at Starbucks because they can run a firm, a bookkeeping firm, and you can be remote. True. And they're sitting on beaches. I, I, I this is not a great survey. <laughs> well, and you know what? If you're one of those people that's using one monitor and you're, you know, at the laptop, you're traveling around, like invest in one of those portable displays now. Like they are so good. I just got one uh, for my wife because we had to go on a trip. She came along in one of our. She came along to Sweet World, and she wanted to be able to work in the hotel room. And it's like the size of a tablet and it just plugs in via USB-C power and you get a whole second display and your laptop. I mean, you can really do anything now remotely with that. So pick up one of those. I think it was like an Asus, but there's all sorts of companies that make them and they're very affordable. They're like a few hundred dollars now uh, and they look pretty good. Resolution is pretty good. David, got anything you want to share? Oh, I guess this is kind of a survey or a study. So do we remember um, talking about Metaverse? Do you remember when Prager Metis opened a firm in the metaverse? We're going back well, to last December. They opened an office. They opened, an office, uh, right? They, they, they bought they, land in Decentraland, right? Decentraland. And they got some famous metaverse architect to design it. And they had big plans. Like the first floor is going to be an open floor plan that doubles as a gallery space for client NFTs and large entertainment area. And the second floor will be a working space with <laughs> meeting rooms and conference capabilities. And the third floor, also serving as the rooftop, is a space where they'll plan to host events and entertainment opportunities for the community. This was great yeah. in December. Yeah, yeah, and I remember yeah. the partner who went and purchased this was going on podcasts and how great this was and what a, what a great investment this was for them, right? Oh, 20 yeah. grand or whatever was spent on this. So they have uh, some sur- survey data has came out and this is uh, an article that was on Coindesk. And essentially, Decentraland has approximately 38 daily active users. In it. So like it goes, a few dozen people are using Decentraland and- it's valued at $1.3 billion. What other data point shows just how ridiculous this whole metaverse trend is than that? Well, I even heard Facebook's having problems. 
the, the team that's working on the Facebook metaverse is not yeah. even using the metaverse. They, they, they had to send a nasty email to their employees and say, you have to use it at least like an hour and a half a week or something. Yeah. Like even the people building the metaverse aren't using the metaverse. So I bought an Oculus. Now they call it a meta headset or whatever. Meta, yes, meta, uh, sorry, the one that Facebook meta. sells, you know, it's like yes. $300. I bought one of those um, because I wanted to like actually know what we're talking about when it comes to the metaverse. And while it was super cool to use, and I do think that eventually somebody's going to solve it and we're going to have metaverse type environments that we work in. Maybe it won't be like with a full VR headset, maybe more with like an augmented reality thing where, you know, David, you can appear like across from me at my desk in a Zoom meeting, you know, in sort of a, a holographic kind of thing. I don't think it's going to be these goggles because they're impossible to wear for more than an hour at a time. You get so tired wearing them. And you get a and headache and it's hot. You get a headache and it's hot and like it's smelly because you sweat <laughs> in these things. It's really gross, actually. My son's yeah. been using it to play paintball and it's like, oh, so disgusting to put that thing on. Like you don't want to share it with anyone. And then when you're wearing it, you, you can't interact with other people in the room. So you don't get that like shared experience of like sitting around a TV and playing video games or anything. Yeah, it's just, they are so far out from actually doing this. It's ridiculous. And talk about, you know, the biggest scam bubble thing. You know, we thought it was NFTs. Well, I guess it would be NFTs in the metaverse are probably the stupidest <laughs> thing. Well, in my understanding too, I didn't know this. Do you know that you can't have legs in the metaverse yet? There's no sensors and they don't have the technology to make legs work right. That's why right, everyone like walks around. Sl- they're like sliding around because they they just they don't ha- like it, nobody's figured it out how to make legs mm-hmm. look natural in the metaverse. So like that's where we're at. We're going to be just the top half of our bodies f- sliding across tables. Uh, it, it's it it's so far. It's so far. So far. Like I cannot believe. I, I don't. I, I can't imagine being this this partner in an accounting firm going to the other partners and being like, yeah, it kind of work out that twenty grand are blue in the the metaverse. Well, they got a press release and they got covered in the Wall Street oh, Journal. They so got that covered alone, by the Cloud Accounting Podcast more, that's numerous right. so times. So that alone was worth it, right? Worth the press. Uh, yeah. No, it's someday. But you know, part of the reason they have this trouble with the graphics being so bad is because when you have thousands or hundreds of thousands or you know someday millions of people logging into the same metaverse and everybody can interact with everything, it's a lot of data. And you have to somehow compute all that data in a server and then stream it back to everybody. And it's super complex. And so, like, you can't build graphics uh, that, that, that these headsets can handle. And, of course, you the headsets have to You can't send a be... bill from one accounting system to the other accounting system. <laughs> and will you expect to have legs in the metaverse? Come on. That's a good way to put it, David. What else should we talk about? How much time do we have left? We got a few minutes? Or should we just cut it? Should we end it? Um, we we uh... can quick, quick thing for developers here. And to its... Uh, starting to embrace developers again. I feel like these companies, these pendulums swing, right? Like companies love accountants and they kind of backpedal a little bit on accountants. Then they're like, we love developers and they backpedal on that relationship and these pendulums swing and everybody's guilty of it. QuickBooks, Zero, everybody's guilty of it. Well, Intuit's swinging the pendulum back towards developers again and they just announced that they are doing a pilot growth program and they're going to help developers maximize their marketing, connect with more customers, increase app revenue um, in this pilot program. And so they brought in a couple apps, Sift Analytics, Helm, Asset Accountant, Released, and Genius Sheets. And based, and then they have uh, some pro advisors actually helping out. But based on the apps that are selected in the pro advisors that look like they're helping out on this, this does feel like this is part of the QuickBooks Online Advanced Team initiative. And this is about nurturing some homegrown apps possibly to help more people get on QuickBooks Online Advanced because obviously, I mean, we were just at Sage Intact. A lot of people leave QuickBooks Online 
enterprise to go to Sage Intact. And so if they can figure out how to build consolidated reports or handle lease accounting better or assets better, right, that's going to mm-hmm. help QuickBooks keep people from leaving. That's right. And that's what they need to do in order to keep growing QuickBooks Advanced. And this looks like it's a nine-month initiative that, that's taking place. And it doesn't have any information of like how these apps were selected or is there going to be another version and app developers should apply now. There's no, no extra news like that in this. David, this was a pleasure as always. I have so many stories that we didn't get to. Hopefully, we can catch up next week. Oh, we, did, we forgot the Donald Trump one. Uh, we got to touch Donald Trump Jr. quickly. You can't well, leave it's that a, one on the table. Okay, this is funny. This will just take us out because you know it's not really news. It's just a funny thing that he said in a deposition, right? The headline is, Donald Trump Jr. admits he doesn't get basic accounting. As sole trustee for the family business, Donald Trump Jr. routinely signs his father's financial statements, but he still insisted during a recent sworn deposition that he has very little actual understanding of accounting, New York officials revealed Thursday. This is as reported in Insider, uh, businessinsider.com. When asked about GAAP, the generally accepted accounting principles that must be followed in the U.S., the younger Trump claimed nearly complete ignorance, according to court papers filed Thursday by New York State's Attorney General Letitia James. Quote, Donald Trump Jr. testified that his only familiarity with GAP was, quote, probably because of accounting 101 in Wharton, unquote, <laughs> and that apart from knowing that they are, quote, generally accepted, unquote, he could not identify any other knowledge that he has about GAP, unquote, the filing said. So, so he, uh, he knew that generally accepted accounting principles are, or he knew that GAP is, in fact, generally accepted, but he could <laughs> not recall anything else about it. So, you know, that's just... A fun accounting headline there. And I wonder if that's going to work. He should have right? took you the know? fifth on this. He should have well, took the fifth on this question. <laughs> so everybody else in the Trump organization has pled the fifth, but Donald Trump Jr. didn't, and he's claiming ignorance. But if you're signing financial statements, I don't know if ignorance is going to be a defense that you can use. So I don't know. We'll see. He, he testified. Let's see. He said, uh, the filing says, despite his role as a trustee, Donald Trump Jr. had no specific recollection at all of the statements, referring to the annual statements of financial condition that are at the center of this lawsuit. And uh, he also testified that he has no understanding how the statement is compiled each year. And he testified that he was aware of an accounting firm being involved, but otherwise had no knowledge of the process or mechanics of the statement's preparation, which I actually believe. I think it's very possible that he has no clue how these financial statements are put together. Oh, like, I think most people think don't. about it. And I think most, yeah. most people at firms may not even like, like, like especially at bigger corporations, right? Like they're just, yeah. oh, it's time to audit this. I don't know how they put this together. Right? There's exactly. Like, my happening. accountants, my accountants, you know, internal and external, they do all this stuff and I just like sign it when it comes across my desk, right? And, and just I, historically speaking, if I pay an accountant to do my return, yeah. accountant prepares their paper and then I sign off on it and something's wrong. I, I can't like I can't claim ignorance, right? The IRS doesn't care. Well, the it's, IRS, yeah, yeah that, like, right? no, no, ignorance is no excuse with the IRS. You will get slammed for that. I, I don't know how this works in civil New York State, you know, civil court, like because Letitia James is saying that the Trump Organization used fraudulent financial statements to get bank loans by inflating the value of their assets when it was advantageous to them, and then shrinking the value of their assets for tax purposes. And the spread is pretty enormous. And it looks like like that's that's misleading at the very least, and it's fraud at the very worst. And so the question is, can she actually like win a civil case against them because the banks actually didn't get hurt? 
So like if nobody got hurt, even if you committed this fraud, or you, you created these misleading financial statements, can you win? And I feel like normally for like if, it was, if this was a like a crime, you know, not just a civil case, if it was criminal, you'd have to actually prove that somebody was hurt in order yeah. to win that. I don't know if in the civil case you can do it. But anyway, it's kind of weak, right? So we'll see. You know, I know there's a lot of Trump haters out there um, who would love for this to, you know, be a big civil case, but I just don't see it happening that way. Because again, it's, it's kind of weak. And they can claim ignorance and say, my accountants did this. And then the blame gets shifted around and all that stuff. So it's going forever, yeah. but I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, right. it, it is probably the best accounting headline of the week for sure. But it was a fun accounting headline. Don't pin your hopes headline. on it yeah. though. If, if you're, if you're anti-Trump, uh, that's it for us this week. You can find me online. I'm Blake T. Oliver on Twitter. How about you, David? I'm on all the socials at David Leary and make sure you go to all the cloud accounting podcast socials. Blake shot this great video. We got some new mobile hardware. We are doing interviews at Sage Transform. It came out great. It's excellent. Yeah. So and check all that will, out. And I will point our listeners specifically to our YouTube channel. That is where we are going to be streaming regularly. And if you subscribe to our channel, then you'll get notified on your phone, on your you know computer when we go live. And you can join in and chat with us. And it was really nice uh, that some people dropped in. Uh, we didn't announce this in advance. And we had you know a dozen people show up. So... That's people really just fun, right? around Saturday morning. Hey, yeah, you know, you're, you're sitting around and what, your kids are watching Saturday morning cartoons. You're watching the Cloud Accounting Podcast. The world's a <laughs> the beautiful place. The other two place. cartoons, yeah. you, sh- you probably <laughs> should be doing tax returns right now because it's October 15th. But, hey, you know, you're taking day, a break. Two days, right? Two more days. We're here to support you. Yeah. So it, well, I think, what is it, Monday now is the deadline because the 15th falls on a, a weekend. So it's like yeah. the 17th, really. So unfortunately, you don't get to enjoy the weekend. Uh, but you can enjoy a little piece of it with the Cloud Accounting Podcast. So... Find us on YouTube. Uh, Link is in the show notes to our YouTube channel or just search Cloud Accounting Podcast. And you'll see, like David said, our interviews at Sage Transform, Walking the Expo Floor. You can see what we look like. Maybe you've never even seen what we look like. Some people are surprised, David. They think that we are reversed. And for those of you, you're going to finish your tax deadline. And then on Tuesday, you're going to be like, where's my CPE credits at for this year? And you realize you don't have all of them yet. Go get the Earmark CPE app. Search for Earmark on Apple, on Android, App Store, Google Play Store, on Apple iOS Store, search for Earmark. Download the app. You can get free CPE for listening today. You already listened. You're at the end. Why not go get one free CPE credit? You can get that for free on the Earmark app. Lots of other shows. Lots of other great shows like Oh My Fraud is on there. Like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly Accounting Podcast is on there. Uh, the FPNA Today Podcast. We've got the CPA Advisory Show with Jeremy Wells now on the platform. I think we have over, we definitely have over 300 credits available. And that's in our first year. Uh, We're adding like five to 10 episodes a week across different shows. Anything else, David? That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks everyone who joined us and we'll see you next week. Time for the classifieds. Are you still paying 1% for ACH to receive money from your customers? With Uclect, you can pay as low as 30 cents per transaction. Uclect has two-way sync to both Zero and QuickBooks Online and gives you the features that the accounting systems lack, like installment plans, secure automatic payment setup invitations, automatic receipts, and allows access to other credit card merchant providers beyond the ones that come with the accounting system, giving you more control over the service fees that you pay. For more information and a 30-day free trial, go to uclect.biz/cap. That's uclect.biz/cap. 
Hey, podcast listeners, it's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded, because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor, or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.